Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? Recently, some Latin American friends told me about an animal called alacran, which is a kind of scorpion, and how kids or adults catch them and put them in a ring of fire. It's a bit cruel, actually, but they do that because the alacran will try to escape. But as soon as it realizes that it's completely surrounded by fire, it fatally stabs itself. And obviously, human beings being what they are, you can see loads of videos of this on YouTube. And while you're on YouTube, you can also have a look at ant death spirals or ant mills, which basically occur when ants are cut off from their colonies. So all these lost ants kind of find each other and then they form a circle where they walk round and round and round and then they basically die of exhaustion. And all these videos are really, really heartbreaking to see. And obviously, we as human beings put our own interpretations and feelings on them. And they really made me think about suicide. The question of whether animals actually commit suicide or not is sort of open. So different studies and people claim different things. But what is clear is that animals experience very strong emotions and stress and depression. And they can sort of engage in self-destructive behaviors, especially if they're held in captivity. But anyway, so the videos got me thinking about suicide and September is Suicide Prevention Month. So I thought it would be good to discuss the topic, especially as it remains a really kind of uncomfortable, taboo topic. A really interesting fact, or at least I think it's very interesting, is that Lithuania actually has the highest suicide rate of any country within the EU. And actually, when it comes to the gender ratio of male to female suicide, it's second. So it has a ratio of five to eight of male to female suicide. Five male? Mm -hmm. Five to eight. And the only country with a higher ratio is Sri Lanka. Okay, so I've been to Sri Lankan several times and the people are just so happy and lovely there. I guess it's probably a misconception about suicide, right? That you can't be happy on the outside or appear happy. Do you know from when those figures are? Yeah, it's from 2015. And what's interesting is that Sri Lanka has a suicide rate of 34 people to every 100,000. And in Lithuania, it's 26 to every 100,000. In Sri Lanka, there was a civil war. I'm not sure in 2015 or when the figures were taken in this, but one of the main methods of like warfare for the Tamil Tigers was suicide bombing. So maybe that factors into it. I'm not sure. Yeah, interesting. I would never have imagined. The Sri Lankan civil war ended in 2009. But it could still be incredibly relevant because I don't know how they collected the statistics, but maybe it's not just based on the last year. Maybe it's, you know, over the last 20 years or something like this. That's a very interesting. Or it could be also, it could be a statistical thing because there was a civil war too. So the effects of civil war on suicide rather than, I think there's a difference between peaceful countries and their suicide rates and war-torn countries and their suicide rates because a lot of people who do commit suicide have also been in war zones and are traumatized. But Lithuania? Yeah, it has the highest suicide rate in all of the EU. And it's a tiny country. Like, we barely have 3 million people. And so there's 26 out of every 100,000 people commit suicide for a country that small. That is a massive figure, actually. So there's something called the Werther effect, and it's named after Goethe's 18th century novel, The Sorrows of Young Werther, 
where in the novel where to kills himself after falling in love with a married woman and following the publication in 1774 there were hundreds of copycat deaths in germany and recent research also shows how strong this effect is so you know every time a celebrity suicide is shown or even if like you were saying in lithuania if people are hearing of suicides and it's kind of like an option if it's accepted almost or not accepted but it's prevalent prevalent then i think more people do commit suicide there are parts of the world today where the rates of suicide are 10 times higher than the average found elsewhere as a result of this kind of local chain reaction there's an island of palawan in the philippines and i think an anthropologist called mcdonald found evidence of waves of suicide spreading through small villages because as he says the child grows up accustomed to the idea and he or she sees or hears about their elders aunts uncles older cousins and friends and parents killing themselves thus suicide becomes an accepted model of behavior an option open to the individual so recently there was a scandal because a video went viral of a suicide on tiktok what yeah the actual video originated on facebook and facebook for years has been trying to you know find ways and algorithms and ai to stop suicide videos but this one happened on facebook one of the friends who saw it live actually flagged it to facebook half an hour before it kind of happened facebook responded 2 hours later I think saying that it did not violate their rules. I guess it's an automated response even though after that point the suicide happened. And I guess that's also why it's really important not to create these kind of things online because you know you can have this local kind of chain effect happening and with social media can be very dangerous. That's actually interesting because I came across a study that was done by a whole list of people and I'll just link it below because I'm not going to read all of their names there's about like 15 researchers but the primary researcher is called Liu Yilin and they were looking at the association between social media and depression among US adults and they found that in a study of 1787 people aged between 19 and 32 in the US found a relationship between how long people spend on social media sites each day and the number of depressive symptoms they experience the more usage the more hopeless worthless and helpless they felt however she also noted in this study that she doesn't think that this study proves that social media is to blame it could simply be that depressed people spend more time online and she was even quoted saying depressed individuals with a diminished sense of self-worth may turn to social media based interactions for validation furthermore social media may appeal more to these individuals than face to face interactions because it's easier to access and control and also social media the the flip side is there are a lot of support groups and and help that can be found online or maybe it's easier for people to find help online rather than talking to people face to face but millennials are apparently i know you like being <laughs> are, what have we done now well committing suicide a lot more than for example generation x mortality rates among millennials aged 20 to 34 were substantially higher in 2016 than among their counterparts from generation x you know when they were exactly you know 16 years earlier but then it's also set against a broader backdrop of despair in general so rates of suicide are going up for all americans this is actually american statistics and people who are aged 45 to 64 still have the highest overall risk of suicide but back to the social media thing because i found in this atlantic article about the millennials and suicide 
but which is millennials just makes a great headline uh, even though clickbait exactly but therapists said that many of their clients millennial clients feel kind of frustrated or embarrassed that they can't afford adult things you know because houses and vacations and stuff that they don't earn enough you know have all the student loans and things like that and they said well they feel that they shouldn't be in the situation one psychiatrist called Gail Sal said and that can cause shame and shame is one of the biggest drivers of suicide and if we think about social media often you know we see everyone else's lives and they're doing all this stuff and they're posting all the highlights the best things about their lives and that can cause you to feel inadequate and therefore shameful and maybe then therefore drive up the rate of suicide in relation to your social media use So I was looking at the statistics of not gun-related and gun-related suicides, and as you might expect, in America, it's almost neck and neck, whereas in South Korea, there are almost no gun-related suicides, but they have a huge suicide problem. I should say that these statistics, the statistic I'm looking at, particularly focus on high-income countries, which is why I think countries like Lithuania is not a high-income country yet. Yeah, but I think there is something to do with maybe modernization and living in the modern world and suicide. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but because I was reading then I got down this track of reading about animals and suicide and stuff like this. So animals in captivity do engage in self-destructive behaviors whether that's suicide or not. And in our society, you know, a lot of people just feel trapped by poverty or things like that. And then I was thinking about Apple. There was this big scandal. I think it started in 2010 and it's still actually ongoing. I think they employ many people in China. So Apple phones are designed in America, made in China, and because they're so complex and they've got itty bitty bits, people actually put iPhones together and the people in these factories have very high rates of suicide because the work and the conditions are terrible so it's like it's almost a form of kind of captivity or being trapped and then you know we did the episode about sustainable fashion recently and all the people working in clothes factories and everything and if we're talking about suicide prevention maybe also we in the west should be thinking about how we are entrapping people who are less privileged than us and maybe driving them to suicide too there's a chain effect there as well i was also reading about i think we've discussed this in another episode about how the suicide rate is higher amongst men and so that leads to this misconception that men try to kill themselves more but actually they just succeed more women actually attempt suicide more So men are 1.8 times more likely to die of suicide, but suicide attempts are 2 to 4 times more frequent among females. Also an interesting thing is is that the methods that they choose to commit suicide, women often choose something like sleeping pills, which is another thing that's sort of attributed to the fact that oftentimes although they are attempting it, it's not successful if we can use those terms because they choose methods where they're more likely to be saved because the it takes longer time to take effect whereas men choose things like shooting themselves or hanging or jumping off a building and of course the next big question is why that we all have so most people just want to end a state of pain or anxiety that they happen to be in in the moment they just want to end things end the feeling that they're in and so a lot of it is impulsive in the moment 
it's not something that people think about for a long time before doing it. A survey of 306 Chinese patients who had been hospitalized following a suicide attempt found that 35% had contemplated suicide for less than 10 minutes and 54% for less than two hours. Because when somebody commits suicide, I was like, yeah, but why would they do that? There were so many ways out of the situation and things like that. But I think it's just a momentary kind of solution to the problem. And it's not really logical in a way. It's just a moment of impulse, maybe? I don't know, impulse. I think that I would think it more is just, you know, you eventually not reach a point where like the barrel runs over. That's not necessarily, that's not a great analogy. But just, you know, it's very... Like, you know, you just, you just, you just, you ever have those days where you just, like, just have enough and, like, just want to go to sleep? Yes. It's kind of like that. You're just like, oh, done. Yes. I don't know if that's a good way of it, like. No, yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's what that is. Um, But what's really interesting is when somebody that you know, I do know somebody who who has committed suicide, a couple of people, you know, the people who are left behind, I was like, yeah, but why? But why? And you're just trying to, you're thinking of it all the time and. It kind of makes no sense, and it's shocking, and it's it takes a long time to grapple with. I mean, I think that just most people don't realize that depression and anxiety, or maybe they realize this, but we think of mental illness in such a different way than we think of any other illness. If, say, you have cancer, and it's fatal, and you don't want to continue living, people don't, I'm not advocating for suicide, by the way, I just feel like I should say that. But if you are, you know, you're you're living with a fatal disease, and I'm not trying to say that mental illness is fatal either, but people tend to be more understanding if you, you know, you don't want to continue living because you're in such pain. And I think that people don't take the same approach when they think of mental illness because it is, a, you know, a massive burden. It's incredibly stressful. It takes so much energy out of you. Completely, completely agree. And I think uh, as I got it from reading about suicide this week, there's kind of almost two kind of groups of people. So there are the people who are battling depression for years and anxiety for years and are just ending the fight. And then there are people who are in a bind somehow, like they're in a lot of debt. They just broke up with their girlfriend. They have depression, but it's more of a an anxiety and they have a big shock or a big problem in their lives. They've lost their jobs. They don't know how to move forward, all of this kind of stuff. But it's not years and years. It's just that their reality is not going the way that they want it to go. I think there are two types of people. What do you think? What was your impression? Yeah, I think that that's probably a good way of looking at it. I mean, there's never only, obviously, <laughs> two types of people. In, yeah. That's really simplified. But, you know, there there are different uh, types of people that, that commit suicide for, for different reasons. It seems insane to me that suicide is still considered a crime in a lot of countries. I guess that's like more of a prevention tool, right? If you think about it as a crime, is that why people, why it's criminalized? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. I think uh, religion, um, civil society, there are all these controls on people kind of not committing suicide. And I think it's because of that chain reaction, because also if you think of it in terms of talking about evolutionary biology the other day, it's just not helpful if a lot of people start committing suicide. So a lot of teenagers, for example, do commit suicide. But they could go on past this difficult stage of development to lead very successful and good lives and, and procreate and stuff. <laughs> procreate and shit. So it's, it's so strange talking about suicide and laughing at the same time too. Yeah. When I was reading about the rate of suicide, 
I noticed that they make a differentiation between the developed world and the developing world, which I understand what they're trying to say in theory, but I got so annoyed at that use of language that's such like white people horseshit. I was like, what do you mean developed and developing world? Yeah, white people went and colonized the entire world, ruined nations, and then they have the audacity to refer to themselves as the developed world and other people as the developing world. After, you know, they committed mass genocide and depleted their natural resources and, you know, ruined whatever cultures there already were. And also, what kind of crock of horseshit is it to assume that the way you live is developed and the way other people lived is not developed? Anyway, I was just like, maybe we need to change the way we're talking about these things because looking at everything from this Western perspective is just... Is West and East an easier way to define it? How do we talk about... Well, this is a completely different thing about how the West, as we in our modern day interpretation, use it, does not actually exist, right? The concept of a Western world is built on a lie used to propagate like white supremacy and sort of construct this linear narrative that, you know, we started off with the ancient Greeks, and we are the inheritance of everything they've learned, and we are the inventors of democracy and math and all these good and right things, which is a complete misreading of history and a complete misunderstanding of how just the past world works. That's not related to suicide. That's just the thing I'm annoyed about most of the time. But I mean, also talking about the Greeks, in many of the tragedies, you know, Oedipus kind of commits suicide. Rena's making a... Sorry, it's miming poking out my eyes. Continue. <laughs> Why are we laughing so much on the episode about suicide? That's so strange. I also think it's because sometimes you laugh when you're uncomfortable, right? Sorry, continue. But yeah, so in Greece, they interpreted suicide and dealt with it in a whole different way than we do today, which is more kind of clinical and related to mental health. Yeah, interesting that you talk about the ancient Greeks. So Socrates wrote, A man who is one of God's possessions should not kill himself until the God sends some compulsion upon him as he sends compulsion on us at present. So essentially he's saying he doesn't agree with suicide unless God tells you to do so. And that he felt that it condemned the person who committed suicide, even though he himself committed suicide. In his book, Plato wrote that, though he was sentenced to death by the state, Socrates had the chance to refuse and escape instead of choosing to drink the hemlock. And Aristotle also believed that suicide was agreeable in some circumstances. He felt that taking one's own life to avoid poverty or desire or pain is unmanly or rather cowardly. But he did believe that it was allowed if the state ordered it, which, you know, was the case with Socrates, which is kind of insane that the ancient Greek state would, I guess they would give you the choice, right? Suicide mm. or we're going to kill you. So Socrates drank hemlock, which is a woman's uh, way mostly of of suicide. Yeah, I mean, it also has to be said that like these idea of how women and men commit suicide is very closely based on a gender binary, right? It very much enforces gender stereotypes. I don't really know where I'm going with that, but... Well, I mean, no, but that's also how women kill people, mostly. Wait, by poison, and and in that case, they get away with it more. But along those lines about, like, you know, talking about how men and women commit suicide, especially in light of, you know, the fact that women attempt suicide more, but men succeed more, the most common method of committing suicide is firearm, then it is hanging or suffocation, then it's falling, so like jumping off a building. And fourth is poison or overdosing. So the first three are sort of very commonly associated with men, whereas poisoning and overdoses, as we mentioned, 
associated with women. Worldwide, there are 793,000 deaths worldwide, which is about 1.5% of all deaths that happen every year are by suicide. That is a lot, and it shouldn't happen, and it's you have a disagreement. No, 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 no. I generally, <laughs> I'm not pro-suicide. This is like a philosophical question rather than, because I was just saying like, yeah, of course suicide shouldn't happen. It's terrible and, you know, it's horrible for the families left behind, but you're going to die eventually. You're so right, <laughs> Ashley, because... I just, I feel like the conversation around it makes it seem like we're going to live forever and if you choose to kill yourself... You're absolutely right. And so human beings have this kind of optimism bias, which means we all know we're going to die, but we choose not to think about it most of the time. And people who are depressed have more of more of a, a solid grasp on reality in a way because they know we're going to die. So then why not just be depressed and kill yourself anyway? And that's one of the things that depressed people have. Like it is more of a solid grasp on the reality of the situation. So I absolutely understand what you mean. I'm just coming at it from a suicide prevention month. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I, I think we should prevent suicide and I think we should be there for one another and we should look out for one another, not advocating for it. No, so along those lines, we did get a mental health professional to do our three things this week and I'm going to hand over to Rich. Hi, my name is Rich Green. I currently work in the mental health sector in the UK and have worked with charities supporting adults and young people with their mental health for nearly 10 years. My current role is to produce health information to help people experiencing mental health problems find out more about their diagnoses or experiences, but also find help and support when they need it. Here are three things you can do this week to help someone you know who's struggling with their mental health. Number one, offer emotional support where you can. If someone lets you know they are experiencing difficult thoughts and feelings, it's common to feel like you don't know what to do or say but you don't need any special training to show someone you care about them, and it's very rare that people say the wrong thing when offering support. Often just being there for someone and doing small things, such as letting them know they're not alone, giving them space to talk, or messaging them to check in every so often can be really valuable. Asking, how are you, is one of the easiest and most important questions we have, as long as we take the time to listen to the answer properly. Number two. As well as emotional support, there are lots of practical things you can do to support someone when they're ready to seek help, such as looking for information that might be helpful to them in making decisions about their treatment or support options, offering to attend appointments with them if they'd like your help with that, or simply offering to do things for them that will take off the load, like giving them a ride somewhere, picking up groceries, or running the vacuum around their house. And number three, look after yourself. Supporting someone else can be challenging. Making sure that you're looking after your own mental health can mean that you have the energy, time and distance to help someone else. So make sure you take breaks if you need them. Set boundaries and expectations that are realistic for you. If your friend or family member needs more help than you can offer, see if you can share tasks with others around them as well. And finally, talk about how you're feeling. You don't have to share details about your friend's problems, but talking with someone else about how you're feeling can help you to feel supported too. I hope these three things help. That's all from us this week. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsession with us. Tweet us 
and follow us on Instagram at the underscore misinformed or email us at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. Find the link via our Instagram or our show notes. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can give a one-off donation via SoundCloud or become a patron on patreon.com slash misinformed. Thanks for listening and until next week.